This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And Courtney, we have some news to discuss. The Minnesota Vikings agreeing to a five-year contract extension worth $50 million with Eric Kendricks. Reaction. Wow, soon. This was a lot sooner than I thought this was going to happen. And I you know, I know that we've talked about this before. I was in the camp thinking that Anthony Barr would have been the first extension just because salary cap wise, you can bring his cap number down. And, and you know, I figured that they're, you know, I, I think I'm in the group that believes that this is going to be keeping the tandem together. But um, I'm surprised at the timing. You know, usually these things happen july and you know if we're just kind of going off a recent history of what the vikings and rick spielman have done to get some of these deals out of the way before training camp i mean this is this is it maybe they're setting the precedent to try to get a few more of these done you know early on and just are not trying to waste any time but yeah i was i was kind of surprised about the news coming back today you know first day the team reports back for the nine-week voluntary off-season program. So what did you think of the price tag with $10 million average annual value? That puts him up there with only Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, and Alex uh, Alec Ogletree with the inside linebackers, the pure mm-hmm. inside linebackers who are making more than $10 million. It does seem like kind of a lot, even though Kendricks has been a key part of this defense. I wasn't surprised that you brought up Alec Ogletree and that was kind of the figure that I figured he would be, you know, in somewhere around that area. Um, You know, 25 million guaranteed of that. I mean, you could kind of take a look, you know, Alec Ogletree, Devonta's perfect, you know, that range of what, the 10 to 12 million a year, um, you know, for guys who, you know, I mean, obviously he's rushed the passer, quite a bit uh seven and a half sacks throughout his time his three years in minnesota so i think that that kind of that figure kind of fit what i thought it would be um and you know obviously guaranteeing half of that i mean this is a piece of their young core um that rick spielman spoke about you know one of the foundational pieces of this defense so i wasn't surprised um at what they were giving him obviously not quite yet do we know the, the the way that they're going to structure this um, based upon, you know, what they're going to do in 2018 with 
against the salary cap and how many more of these they want to get done. But I wouldn't be surprised um, if the way that they structure his deal, given they've got anywhere from wherever you look, you know, 17 and a half to eight, almost 19 million in cap space um, before he signed his deal. So it's going to take some strategic planning to be able to get a few more of these done. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the way that they're going to have to structure this, in my opinion, would be to layer a signing bonus on top of whatever his new base salary is going to be and whatever they're going to make that cap number. And, they, you know, this is a team that doesn't really tip, give, a, give out a lot of signing bonuses or big-time signing bonuses. So you could spread that number out however you want to do it and potentially maybe even a roster bonus, which, you know, since he signed his deal, that could be something that if you want to give him his money up front, that could be payable within a couple of days. So you mentioned Vontez Perfect, $11 million a year average for him. Also, uh, Levante David, Telvin Smith, Jamie Collins, some other linebackers who are in that same range uh, our favorite website and one that's fun to play around with over the cap.com that has all this information they split it up between outside linebacker inside linebacker but most teams these days are playing nickels so they have two linebackers and that's how it ends up working um going back to your point about the long term after they locked in kendrick's what do you think this means for anthony barr well, there's two, you know, I put I put out some of the, the ways that I think this could work on Twitter. And obviously, you know, you're playing with four different, now three other different chess pieces where you've got Daniil Hunter coming up, Anthony Barr, and Stephon Diggs. And not to mention in this equation also is whether they're going to be able to pick up Trey Wayne's fifth-year option. The deadline for that just over a month away, um, or just under a month away. So... To me, it now becomes kind of the race to race to May third. Like if if they draft a cornerback in the first round, that to me is a screaming sign that they are not going to pick up his fifth year option on Trey Wayne's. Um, the next one, but I mean that's that's the next ship that's going to fall. I doubt that they would get another contract done between now and the draft. Um, but I still think I'm still in the camp as of right now that you keep your linebacker core together. Um, and that you let Stefan Diggs play out this final year of his rookie contract, see if he can, you know, stay healthy, stay, you know, not that that's ever, it hasn't been a huge concern. It wasn't a big concern last year, despite a little bit of the time that he missed with the groin injury. And that's not really the main reason you do that. The main reason you, you make him play out the rest of his rookie contract uh, because if you're, if you're going to be giving him a Mike Evans type deal where he's commanding double, you know, double digit salary, a base salary, What's that going to do to Adam Thielen, your Pro Bowl wide receiver from a year ago, and the $5 million bargain that he's that he's on currently? So I think you try to get those pieces of this defense, and maybe it's a compromise for Mike Zimmer that, okay, we went out, we got Kirk Cousins, $84 million guaranteed. Now we're going to focus a lot of those efforts on extending the key pieces that he wants on the defense. Um, then obviously you factor in that, pass rushers that are at a premium too and Daniil Hunter is going to be very expensive yeah now let's let me just focus on Barr for a second specifically because he's a really interesting case that with Kendricks his last two seasons have been very consistent and he's been excellent in coverage his speed and his quickness fits exactly what they need to do to shut down running backs coming out of the the backfield 
I mean, if you look at Football Outsiders, the statistical website, they were the best team in the NFL at stopping receiving running backs at uh, yards per game out of the backfield. And considering they faced Elvin Kamara and Todd Gurley and Duke Johnson in the same season, uh, that's pretty darn impressive. Uh, But with Barr... He's a different case because of his inconsistency. In 2016, it was a down year for him. He struggled. This year, I thought he started off really well. He was uh, on fire, especially in the Chicago game. He stood way out to me and then tapered off toward the end of the season. And I wonder if the Vikings look at that a little differently than he might if he says, I'm absolutely worth more than Kendricks. And the team says, well, you know, there are some question marks there. Well, I mean, I still think I'm I'm in the group that thinks Kendricks should have made the Pro Bowl over Barr last year. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who you can argue with that. And, you know, Anthony has kind of been taken away from the pass rushing role that he showed flashes of when he first came into the league and kind of exploded onto the scene. And, you know, last year you bring up the point of, okay, well, should they make him more of a pass rusher? And, and they, you know, as a linebacker who does not go after the quarterback um, as much, I mean – the price tag theoretically should come down, should it not? So I don't know. I mean, the comm- the figure he's going to command, I mean, he could choose to, to bet on himself and, and really try to push this thing. And if they can't come to an agreement, then he becomes a free agent um, and, can, and can hit the open market and try to go after what he wants. But, you know, I think there has to be some sort of incentive between, you know, to keep this duo together that maybe you're, you're looking at sack numbers or, or something like that to put the value on Anthony Barr is to, okay, why are we going to put him above the other extensions that are on the table? Why should he go first, second um, now that, you know, Kendricks is in the fold and maybe you just like that, you know, that, that duo right there in the middle of the field. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, obviously the stats don't lie. Kendricks was the more productive all around, you know, inside linebacker last year. Um, and, and, you know, I think for, for Barr's case, um, it's just a matter of how he's being used. Um, you know, maybe you want to expand upon his duties if you are going to be paying him top dollar. Yeah, it's a good point about how they compare. Pro Football Focus had uh, Anthony Barr as 43rd this year and Eric Kendricks as 37th. So they had them uh, very close in terms of your linebackers. And that's, by the way, that's out of 87. So a little uh, above average for their scores. And they fluctuated throughout the season. There were times where Eric Kendricks was rated lower because he had that one bad game against Detroit with a lot of missed tackles. And then uh, for the rest of the season, he was higher. And then, of course, Barr was up in the top five or ten early in the season. And then he slipped down toward the uh, middle of the year there. But overall, I think they are kind of comparable in what they've brought. Like you mentioned, neither of them has a ton of sacks. They play off of each other and have been together now for a number of years in this defense. There's value in that. What I wonder about is how Anthony Barr will value himself. If he will look at his situation and say, I was a former top 10 pick and I've been in the Pro Bowl year after year, which Eric Kendricks hasn't, I deserve Mm -hmm. to make a lot more money. And that's where we might have some separation, even though I think that the Vikings definitely want to bring him back. But there's got to be a price point with him considering the Diggs and Hunter situation. Well, at first, I kind of thought, like going back months ago, I remember speaking to Joel Corey, uh, you know, the capologist, as we call him from uh, CBS Sports, just about how how these two deals would, would fare. And I mean, 
originally you put Barr kind of in that same category as the two guys I mentioned earlier, which is now the salary range for Eric Kendricks, which is Vontez Perfect and Alec Ogletree, linebackers who primarily do not have pass rushing duties. So, I mean, you take a look at that, and that's, you know, I think he's going to now look at himself and, you know, what he did last season and, you know, the three, the two Pro Bowls previously and say, okay, well, you know, all of these other accolades and all this other, you know, this, what I have on my resume should be valued um, at more of a premium. But, you know, statistically speaking, I mean, and I know we keep bringing up, you know, the sack numbers, but I just feel like if you're taking that part out of your game um, to where, you know, you don't have somebody helping, uh, you know, coming off the edge and the pass rush and being able to, you know, be over the middle of the field and you're, you're taking care of like big tight ends, that's fine. But I still think that within this rotation that we talk about, it's not just the defensive line. It's being able to have somebody that you're sending in on passing downs. Um, and whether, you know, Anthony Barr's sack numbers have gone down every single year. Started out at four is his, you know, rookie year in the NFL, and he only had one last season. As Mike Zimmer said, you're not just always looking at that number, but when I'm looking at paying this guy top dollar and potentially, you know, a $12, $13 million a year base salary, I want to see different things that we that we're not seeing currently because you have to show why he deserves a higher, you know, per year average than Eric Kendricks, who has been, you know, as we as we as you just pointed out, you know, a better ranked linebacker throughout, you know, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I thought that last year they would send Kendricks more off – I'm sorry, Anthony Barr more off of the edge and blitz with him more often, but they really didn't. It was kind of typical mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer defense with him, and you do wonder if we'll see some differences there. And I think that this one could end up taking a while, but if you were to – I, I would I would put the money on that they do end up signing Anthony Barr for maybe a little bit more than Eric Kendricks or very comparable. Where do you think that would leave us with the other two, with Daniil Hunter, Stephon Diggs? And if you were going to guess, rank the three of them for percentage chance that they get done before training camp this year. I don't think – I think two to three is the maximum that get done before training camp. I could see them utilizing the franchise tag with Daniil Hunter uh, because he is going to be expensive, and, and I think that's projected anywhere from like 17 to $18 million next year on defensive ends. So maybe they end up doing that because they're going to try to work out – You know, 2018 is one thing. That's what we're talking about with the cap numbers for um, – for Barr and for Kendricks. Kendricks number is going to obviously go up because he was making like 1.1 million this year and Barr's at 12.3 because of his fifth year option. So you extend Kendricks, his number goes up and you extend Barr, his cap number goes down. That's 2018. In 2019, it's a completely different story. Both of them are going to have very hefty figures mm-hmm. that come against the salary cap. So, I mean, literally you're kind of just like, you know, working one foot in front of the other as long as you can before you even have to face the music of what 2019 could bring. So with that said, my order will potentially, and it could change, but I still think it's going to be Kendricks, obviously number one, and then from here on out, Barr, Hunter, and then and then Diggs. Like, I think you make Diggs play out the rest of his rookie contract and, you know, just because of the, the, the issues that that could potentially cause with Thielen, his deal um you know after this season you gotta 
you know, if you're going to be paying him a double digit figure salary, you want to make sure that he's a better receiver uh, production wise than, than, you know, your Pro Bowl receiver of a year ago. Did you happen to notice, I'm sure you did, that Stefan Diggs tweeted about the contract extension received by yep. Jarvis Landry, five years, $75.5 million. And I would put it this way. Stefan Diggs is on a different planet from Jarvis Landry for what those two can do. I'm not talking about fantasy production because Landry gets a lot of catches. He also gets a lot of catches on screen passes, short throws, where if you're looking at the efficiency, the yards per route run, yards per completion, yards per attempt, all those things, the uh, contested catches for Stefan Diggs, his route tree, the different routes that he runs, he's better across every one of those boxes. And that would lead me to think that he's got an argument, especially if he has a good year this year, but even going into this, that he has an argument to make very similar money, if not more, than Jarvis Landry. And like you mentioned, with Adam Thielen, that becomes very complicated because Thielen is making less than $20 million over four years. Yeah, and that, you know, you bring in Mike Evans' deal, too. I know that Stefan was, um, you know, right after that deal was inked, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he tweeted about it as well. And, you know, you wonder where, you know, he's going to be in that category. If he has another explosive season, um, you know, coming off of the 2017 year, like, I mean, he can potentially throw himself into that category. I certainly think, you know, he's worthy if not, you know, more worthy than what Jarvis Landry did last year. I mean, Mike Evans is in a different category, I agree. But those figures are going to be what the market's for going to become, um, you know, traditionally now for, for these types of receivers and in the, in the type of production. So, you know, for me, I take a look at that, and I think that that becomes a very complicated deal because does that mean you're going to have an unhappy feeling just from the financial standpoint? I mean, of course, he's going to, you know, they want to keep that core together. They like the duo, but money talks. Um, and I think that it's going to be difficult to keep somebody who, technically speaking, might be less productive. Um, so, I, I, you know, and I think, too, when we, when we factor Daniil Hunter, who's kind of the quiet one we don't talk about all that much in this equation, I mean, Everson Griffin's getting up there in age. And, you know, Brian Robeson's probably gone after the season, you know, for retirement. And they want to continue to develop you know, they're young pass rushers, you better lock them in because those those are guys, if they hit the open market, they're going to get snatched up quickly and, the, and they're going to drive up their own price tag. So, um, you know, Minnesota doesn't want to get in a situation where, you know, Sheldon Richardson may not be here next year because of the cap situation. They don't want to be dealing with trying to replace Daniil Hunter as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up next is just how this cap situation might ultimately affect their draft this year is I, I was looking at um, Deron Payne and watching him back in the national championship game. And also Maurice Hurst is another guy that's out there Two potential first round picks. Harrison Phillips is another guy whose name has been brought up. He's from Stanford. All of those guys, I think, are in play for the Vikings with one of the first two picks, in part. I know they have to fill the guard position, but in part because when you're looking forward, you're not going to have Sheldon Richardson, I don't think, at long term. He's just going to cost too much. And the way this front office tends to work, we've heard this from Rick Spielman before, is on a three- or four-year-out basis, they're trying to look way ahead in the future of what they're going to need. I think that they will try to address that defensive tackle position at some point, definitely in the first three rounds. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, the rotation aspect there, too, because they're not really sure what they have with some of their younger guys who they haven't really tried to test in that rotation. Um, if you can get somebody, you know, regardless of what of what happens in the first round, you, know, you still have the second and the third round to address the defensive tackle uh, position. And I, and I think that that's a smart thing to do, you know, above even putting that above um a cornerback or maybe even a tight end. I mean, we know the offensive line is a top priority. Um, you're seeing a lot of mock drafts that have a corner uh, going into the first round, potentially as, as the top priority now and shifting that focus. Well, that to me screams a lot about what could, if that does come into play, what they believe about Trey Waynes and, you know, if he's going to get extended at all, but should they not draft a cornerback in the first round and go with what most people are expecting and picking an offensive lineman, then I think you can very easily, um, you know, grab grab somebody at 62 uh, that can be part of that rotation and, you know, kind of a developmental prospect for now. But, you know, work behind what you have with your defensive line to be able to keep that going so you don't have much of a beat to miss when, um, you know, if and when Sheldon Richardson and, Others are not there next year. Yeah, I like that you bring up the tight end situation because next year it screams Kyle Rudolph either oh, God, re- yeah. Yeah, reworking his contract or potentially even being let go if he doesn't have a very good season. He's set to make $7.6 million next year, and that just and he's going to be 30 years old. No, he's going to be 30 years old, and what he does as a tight end, I mean, it's huge in the red zone and all that, but – He's, you know, obviously not a great blocker. Um, and on top of that, too, I mean, can, you know, it, it has been limited it, it, to a degree by, some, you know, I mean, I think he's athletic in, the, in, in where you need him to be at points. And he's obviously a huge threat for the Vikings in the, in the red zone, but they still need, you know, that hybrid tight end who can go up and get it and is more of a wide receiver, which, you know, Rudolph isn't. So, I mean, I think that he's almost, you know, for, for that amount of money, that's somebody that, you know, you're going to be asking, it just, it screams restructure to me, um, as are some other deals too. I mean, heck, you may even be looking for them to restructure someone like Linville Joseph or even Everson Griffin, who I believe is set to make somewhere, you know, just shy of 12 million next mm-hmm. year. Yep. And I believe that the dead money is very small on Everson Griffin. So that sort of says they're going to rework that deal too. Um, last thing, they're starting workouts and it just means workouts. It doesn't mean that they're implementing the offense, running the offense out there. So we're going to get a little peek at that next week. But um, do you expect any other news to come out with the Vikings as we go along here? Or is there something that you're interested in as, as interested as anyone can be in what's going to happen here in workouts, just maybe with the Vikings or NFL at large? You know, I mean, we're not going to get to see that much. Obviously, next week is the first time, you know, with workouts. Um, There's so much to unpack. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, that's why I was kind of surprised that there's no availability this week because it's a brand-new quarterback, um, you know, who's been throwing with his receivers in the offseason. So that's a huge story in itself. And the beginning stages of John Filippo's offense, how are they going to start working that in? I watched a video on Vikings.com earlier. Um, where, you know, Mike Zimmer was joking that, you know, Filippo probably already has the first three OTAs scripted out, and those aren't even, you know, supposed to take place for, for another month. So it's like, okay, there's so much news with this team that we haven't been able to touch yet uh, it, it, to the point of speaking with these people because it's just, you know, it's the way the offseason works. So, I mean, I think that there's, you know, 
Vikings have had a rather quiet second wave of the offseason, obviously adding more depth acquisitions with the wide receiver position. Um, I think, you know, Rashad Cliet, who they had, um, linebacker. I mean, just, in, you know, to me, there's not a whole ton of breaking news with this team. It's just a matter now of, okay, how is all of this actually coming together during mm-hmm. OTAs? Um, and, you know, the only news I would expect, you know, Everybody's talking about the quarterbacks right now as it pertains to the draft, but don't expect, you know, for the Vikings, too. I mean, they're picking at 30 right now. Do I think they're going to move up? No, not at all. Do I think they could potentially move out of the first round? It's not too far-fetched, in my opinion. Depending upon how expensive that would be, you can find a team that's right there at the beginning of the second round who might want to trade back into the first round. I mean, we saw it with the 49ers last year. Obviously, it didn't work out so great uh, with a, from the – current standpoint with uh, what they're dealing with with Reuben Foster, but it was kind of a blockbuster at the moment when they traded back into the first round to be able to pick up uh, Reuben Foster there, you know, I believe with a 30, 31st or 32nd pick. Um, and, and the price that they got for that was, was smart. So, I mean, I could see the Vikings in a similar situation where, hey, we need a guard, um, but – we can get who we want if we are, you know, early somewhere in the second round because it's a big, it's a big, you know, depth. There's a lot of depth with the guard position in this draft, so maybe I could see them doing that and that being the news of, uh, you know, next week leading into the draft. But other than that, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of still looking at your watch, seeing, okay, can we can we get to OTA so we can actually see and hear how these guys are interacting? Because you know, more more so than anything else, it's just going to be okay how. How have they all been working out together? And, uh, you know, Eric Kendricks talked about the locker room vibe today. I mean, that's a huge point of why he said he wanted to remain with the Vikings um, as long as he can. But outside of that, I want to hear how they're actually meshing together. And, I mean, they're not going to get on the field all that much during OTAs. But, you know, rookie mini, uh, rookie, uh, voluntary minicamp is not that far away. That's what I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, I would suggest that you fire up another draft simulation because I'm doing yes. one today. So when we get together later this week, I would like to go through those uh, again. And are we going to do all, se- all seven rounds with like all of their like late round picks? Where they have like two in the sixth round, something like that. Three in the sixth round. I feel like that's a little on the crazy side. I think if you're going past the fifth round, like you're just nuts. Like, Oh, look at this great seventh rounder. I got who has no chance. And by the time you get to the seventh round, I mean, who even know, like I'll do one of them, but who even knows who's being picked at that point? Right? Like had any of us heard of Jack Tocho before? Probably not. I mean, do people still know that he's on the roster? There were no. people last week, or last week, or was it the week before? Who, when Rodney Adams had announced his retirement with the Colts, I, I remember tweeting out about it. Um, there were, I think it was last Monday. There were a lot of people who asked me, "Is he?" I thought he was still on the roster with the Vikings. They had absolutely no idea that uh, he had signed with the Colts in the off season. So, a name like that or a Jack Tocho, I think, would probably um, elicit a similar response. Yeah, so I think that we'll probably keep it to the first four picks this time, but make sure that you we, are prepared. We, we did that last time. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. That was fun. Okay, that sounds great. And people who have not done it yet, I'm disappointed in all of you. Uh, I, we did get quite a few that sent us yeah. their, their drafts from fanspeak.com. It's very That's easy of, to do. It's a lot of fun. It's fun. City. Who, nobody wants to be working. It's depressing outside. We have like 40 inches of snow. 
Um, this is your break from reality that we are handing to you on a silver platter. All you need to do is go to fanspeak.com, pick whomever's big board you want, and just go ahead and sim. This is so fun. Yeah, and there's a couple other sites that do it, so it's not like we don't have like an investment. Like a deal, in a deal just, with fans. Right, yeah. we're just making this really easy for you to send us your mock drafts, and I think that you need to do a better job of grading people's draft simulations. I'm sorry, not mock drafts. Because I, I haven't seen you on Twitter grading them. I've been grading them. I've been saying good job or like I give it a B plus. So okay. I'll I, grade I, it. I will definitely I'll start being more critical. Okay. If you send it to either one of us, I'll grade them. it. Yeah, I've just been liking them. Like people have tweeted at us and I hit the little heart. I'm like, Yeah, people listen to us. I'm glad. Yeah, or uh feel free to send an email too if you don't use Twitter. So okay, well thank you all for listening i'm glad we actually got some news to write about i feel like it's been a little while so thank you courtney we'll get together later and draft sim again and we will talk to all of you again soon this holiday whether you're making a baker's simple truth turkey for 40 or a murray's baked brie for two bakers has fast fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last bakers fresh for everyone Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.